Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Alex Weiser. Alex was born and raised in New York City. His musical education began in earnest while attending Stuyvesant High School, writing pieces for their symphonic orchestra, studying theory and conducting with Joseph Tamanassis, and studying composition with Paul Allen Levy. Alex then continued his studies at Yale University and New York University. He's the public programs director at YIVO in New York City, and he is the composer and producer of the CD recently released, All the Days Were Purple. Um, Welcome. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Um, So my short introduction um, doesn't really begin to cover your background, so I hope you would share a little bit more about how you came to Yiddish music and composing. That's a loaded question. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, actually my background is just in music, and I studied music composition at Yale and then at NYU. Um, And for about five years after school, I worked at this amazing uh, festival of contemporary classical music called MATA. And MATA is a very eclectic um, music organization which features, you know, pretty avant-garde music from around the world, um, from a lot of different uh, classical music cultures, and in, and I, so I was working at Mata, just kind of experiencing the wide world of classical music um, for about five years when I received, a, I guess it was an email um, from someone at YIVO uh, about this position opening up. And I was really intrigued, so I, I came over to YIVO and, and had a series of conversations with them. And, and, you know, I have to say, I didn't know Yiddish, I mean, before working at YIVO, and it was it's part of my family background. So I was very intrigued, but it wasn't really an area of specialty for me. Um, but I was I was very uh, interested in everything going on at Evo, so I decided to join the team here, I guess it was almost four years ago now. Um, and just being at Evo immersed me in this incredible world of Jewish culture and of Yiddish culture. Uh, so I sat in on Yiddish classes, and I learned Yiddish, and I read Yiddish poetry and Yiddish short stories, and I heard lectures in Yiddish and movies in Yiddish, um, not to mention all of the other non-Yiddish amazing things that are going on at Evo, but it really kind of opened up a whole world for me, um, and it was very inspiring. And so I got this commission from Roulette, which is this classical music institution that supports a lot of amazing avant-garde music uh, here in New York. And I thought, you know, and actually the commission was amazing. They said, you know, do whatever you want. And often when a when a um, classical composer gets a commission, it's to fulfill something very specific. You know, a string quartet says, okay, we have a program, we're playing Beethoven and Mozart, and then we want to play your piece, so can you write something that fits along with them? Okay. But this commission from Roulette was really amazing because they said, we want you to just do whatever your heart's desire is. So we'll, you know, here's the money, you hire the musicians, just do whatever you want. Um, and so given that opportunity and having been immersed in this whole um, Yiddish world at YIVO, I thought, you know, this would be a great opportunity to write some Yiddish songs. And so I devised this piece, And All the Days Were Purple, um, setting to music Yiddish poetry and also um, Jewish-American English poetry, English-language poetry, uh, to music and and creating this kind of whole um, song cycle out of it. And then that became the centerpiece of this album. So what drew you to find this marriage between the poetry and the music? Well, you know, it's, um, I think the tradition of art song and of, you know, of, of taking poems and setting them to music is a really rich and amazing tradition, which, you know, I've enjoyed just as a listener. 
um, and also as a composer in the past, uh, a lot. Um, and then for me, you know, the big discovery was that there are these incredible, um, you know, early modernist uh, poems in Yiddish that are so sophisticated and so rich um, that I just had no idea about. Uh, and so, you know, as I discovered these poems, these Yiddish poems, I thought, wow, you know, I want to, I want to bridge this kind of classical music world that I am a part of. That you know, I've set Emily Dickinson poems to music before. I've set William Carlos Williams poems to music before, um, and those are on the album as well. And I thought, wow, I want to include these incredible Yiddish poems that are new to me, and I'm sure new to most people in the kind of classical music milieu that I'm from, um, and even in the Jewish world more widely outside of the kind of Yiddish pockets. Um, so I, you know, it was a way to 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 bridge that gap and to bring those out for people. Yeah, there's. I think it's safe to say, and certainly in the position that you're in at YIVO, um, working on public programming, which you do a great job on. Congratulations! Thank you. Um, you have a very enviable job. Um, there's so much going on in terms of cultural production these days, but there was so much going on with Yiddish cultural production, also, you know, early in the 20th century, up in Tell about the war. Um, and your work and others really sort of seems to build on this. It, it takes that, you know, that leap um, over history, and it helps to further aspects of Yiddish culture. I think it's safe to say, including, you know, music, literature, performance. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this to both the sort of as a musician, as a composer, in your position with um, helping to put together public programming. What do you think um, this is all about, and what excites you about what's going on these days? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a very big question, um, and it's a little bit difficult to answer, but I'll say, you know, I think that the meaning of Yiddish has shifted over the course of, of the last few generations, and I think that, you know, at a, at a certain time, Yiddish culture was a potential, you know, future for the Jewish people. You know, in the late 19th century and the early 20th century, there's a lot in the whole, in the Jewish world in the world in general, but it really especially in the Jewish world there's there's all of this um searching for, you know, what's the way forward? How are we going to organize ourselves culturally, nationally? Um and there's some really incredibly inspiring uh work done in the Yiddish world in all these different genres trying to kind of create that future and and to understand what it means to be Jewish and understand the experience of being Jewish. And so now, though, I think when we look back at that cultural output, you know, it's very inspiring to us in its, in its attempt to answer these questions and, and to give kind of methods, methods and ideas about them. Um, but also, it's now a part of history. So I think that, I think that for us today, you know, it's it has shifted from Yiddish is the future in which we're going to build build this new thing, to Yiddish is actually the treasure trove of the past that has within it, um, you know, so many fascinating and uh, rich artifacts of you know Jewish cultural. Um, you know, struggle and and uh, and and creation and and the time you know just and just as we did 
as Jews did back then, struggle to you know know who they are, where they're going, and and so on and so forth. We have the same kind of struggle now, um, and the Yiddish world, I think, offers a lot of um, inspiration for when we're doing things. I think you're right. I mean, we think we're at a really exciting time, and I see that in the work that we do here and the work that you and and other organizations are doing that we're at a place where we can really mine so much of the culture because so much of it now is saved and digitized and things like that so people can access it. And it's interesting, you know, we use the word regenerating Jewish culture here at the center, and I think that you and others are doing that kind of regeneration and cross-pollinating, and I wonder if there's a history of that as well in the culture. In, in the Yiddish culture? Yeah, in terms of these kinds of collaborations with either where you're, you know, using words um, that were written a long time ago and you're figuring out ways to score them or you're working with musicians um, to help realize bringing, bringing this work to a new audience in a new reinvented way. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of Yiddish, you know, art songs, like there's an amazing tradition um, going back to... Going back to the Society for Jewish Folk Music in St. Petersburg um, and and continuing around the world, and especially with composers like Lazar Weiner um, here in New York. And, you know, I think back then it was a combination of contemporary poetry that they were looking at, but also, um, you know, older and in some cases ancient things. You know, of course, Jewish culture, the ancient tradition of Jewish culture of, of, um, of Tanakh, and of the Talmud and and so on and so forth is so incredibly rich and so I think always kind of like looking back is a part of of Jewish culture um, and uh, and so it's certainly even in the kind of looking forward phase of uh, of Yiddish culture there's always a big part looking back um, but I think now when we think Yiddish we think more more looking back so I guess. One of the other sort of related questions to that would be, are there poets whose work you were really drawn to that inspire this, or was it just poetry in general? I mean, because you, you talked about modernist poetry. There is some really amazing work um, that I've recently been introduced to. Anita Norwich was here doing a weekend program on mm. um, the you know Yiddish women writers' poetry, and it was like, whoa. This is incredible. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering again, who who really excites you in terms of generating ideas and for your work? Yeah, well, I mean, the first song in the album is um, set to a poem by Anna Margolin, uh, Rosa Lebensboim, and you know, Anna Margolin's poetry is just was one of these discoveries for me that was like, wow, I can't believe this exists in Yiddish. I mean, it's um, it's so. It's it's so such a striking kind of human reflection that I wouldn't necessarily like if it wasn't if it hadn't been written in Yiddish I wouldn't necessarily associate it with being in the specifically Jewish world, um, but then actually there's so but the Yiddish language is in part lends this and actually the themes and the ideas also are actually so profoundly Jewish and there's something about that kind of you know, connection and seeming contradiction that's actually not a contradiction when you look at it more carefully um, that's so incredible about her work. And you pick a lot of other um, poets and cite them. They're really interesting. Um, 
and it kind of broadens the conversation. I think you, you push over boundaries. Is that safe to say? I'm hoping to, yeah. <laughs> so I thought it'd be interesting to play a short bit and ask you to talk about um, one of the pieces um, that we'll play a little snippet from, um, sure. and that's poetry. So let's just listen to this for a second and then ask you to expand on it. Sure. setting a poem by Avram Sutzkiver called Poesia, Poetry, um, which is really about poetry itself. Um, and I think this is a great example of, of the way in which, you know, there are these stereotypes about Yiddish and what is in the Yiddish world. Um, and this poem really, you know, puts them all to rest um, because it's, it is totally a poem about poetry, about the nature of art and the nature of life. And, um, and it's, it's so incredibly beautiful and it's not, you know, boxed in by any of the kind of normal preconceptions that we have about Yiddish. And I just think it's a gorgeous poem. And in the album, it's kind of a little bit of a lyrical oasis in the center of, um, the big song cycle that makes up the bulk of it. Your work is really beautiful. Um, it's, well, thank you. it's haunting. It's ethereal. It's many things, um, but it's ultimately just wonderful. So thank you for sharing that. Well, thank um, you so much. I guess I also wanted to ask you if you can tell us: Is there any backstory to the title of the CD and all the days were purple? Sure. Well, yeah, that's actually a quote from the first poem on the album, which is um, by Anna Margolin. It's a really incredibly beautiful poem. Um, where she's reflecting back on on life and, and asking this question, you know, what was what was my happiness in life, or what was my joy? Um, and she concludes with the idea that it's the the looming specter of death that kind of sets into relief the joy that we have in life. Um, and she ends on this really beautiful image, and all all the days were purple and all were hard. And it's, it's just a, it has just such a rich ambivalence um, of, of beauty and pain, and uh, it really you know, captures, for lack of a better word, the, the experience of being human. It, it's not easy, I think, to take um, works of you know, written work and then also marry it with a score, music, um, and perform it. And I have to say you do it in such a, a mindful, respectful way that they build on thank one you. another. So thank you. And can you tell me quickly about your latest project, the new opera? Yeah, so um, I actually just completed an opera um, about Theodore Herzl and his wife, Julie Herzl, called State of the Jews. Um, and the opera, it's, it mostly follows Theodore in the last year of his life during which he supported the idea of, of uh, 
Jews exploring Uganda as a possible um, place for settlement. And he visited the Pope, and he, when he died, he, it was the movement, the Zionist movement, which he had founded, was really in a very uncertain place. And, you know, looking back on his life today, we often forget that kind of uncertainty that, that he was in. So we, we kind of tell that story, and we interweave with it the story of him and his wife, Julie, which is another really interesting and largely unknown uh, story about his life and their life together, which is that they really had a very difficult marriage. Um, and his, his work w- with the Zionist movement really took a tremendous toll on their marriage and on their family life. He really spent, he spent their money, he spent all of his time away traveling, working on this, and um, it was very, very hard for her and for the children. And uh, it's, a, it's a very sad, uh, fascinating story. And so we kind of interweave that private story with um, the story of how things were in his last year. And uh, we made an opera about it. And we just did it at the 14th Street Y um, for four performances of a kind of semi-staged preview of, of the opera. And we're hoping to have a full production. Um, I definitely hope so, too, since I wasn't able to make it to New York. <laughs> so um, it sounds really fantastic. And I guess one last question before I let you go. Do you think if your work is expressly Jewish? Yeah, I do. Um, and uh, it's it's hard to explain what that is, because I think that the question of the question of what is Jewish music or what is Jewish anything is a bit of a tricky question. Um, actually, at the opera, the first night, um, we had we had talkbacks after each of the performances. And the first night, we had Ruby Namdar, this amazing Israeli um, Hebrew novelist, joined us for this talkback. Um, and one of the things that he said was that it's it's so the Jewish people are really difficult to pin down because they're not quite uh, a nation, but they're not not a nation, and they're not exactly a people, but they are a people, and it's not really a religion, but of course it is a religion, um, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, because of the kind of particular nature of of Jewish peoplehood and history and diaspora, it's, it's very difficult to pin down what is, what does that mean to be Jewish? Um, my personal philosophy is I like to take a very um, kind of maximalist approach to to defining uh, things as being Jewish for those that want to use that um, signifier. So for me, you know, this music is absolutely Jewish music um, in that it's related to the experience of being a Jewish person, it's related to a Jewish language, it has all of these kind of interconnections. Um, and it's very much struggling with questions of, of um, identity and of meaning from a Jewish perspective. Um, and it's a Jewish perspective, which perhaps is is not, you know, a religious perspective, and it's not. It's there are many things in which it's not, but I think the things that it are that it is, um, you know, belong alongside those other things that um, we could also think of as being Jewish, perhaps more obviously so, um, in a kind of you know interconnected, big web of different Jewish things. Well, that leaves us with a lot to think about, Alex. Um, so your CD is available um, 
on the World Wide Web, yes? Yeah, everywhere you can you find music, Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, so on and so forth. Okay. Um, and again, the title is And All the Days Were Purple. And if you could leave us with a website where people can learn more about your work. Sure. Yeah, you can visit my website, which is www.alexweiser.com. It's, uh, my name is spelled A-L-E-X-W-E-I-S-E-R. Great. Thanks so much for taking the time today, Alex, and for all of your work. And please do get that opera staged again. Thanks so much, Lisa. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. We'll be right back.